0: Hello and welcome to the Sounds Proper Podcast, part of Sounds Proper Productions. Today, we will be covering Feet of Clay, uh, Deluxe, by Earl Sweatshirt. I'll be reviewing that album. And also, we'll be talking about Deluxe Album Culture. This is part of the new format for the podcast I'm trying. So we're going to be talking about Earl Sweatshirt, Feet of Clay, Deluxe, reviewing that, and also Deluxe Album Culture. Uh, Before we get into any of that, though, I would just want to tell you, uh, check out my single Sunday that came out yesterday, or that came out on uh, Sunday, uh, Bastard Review, that came out on Sunday, you, know, you can check out my past uh, single Sundays, check out my past reviews on the podcast, also uh, check out on my YouTube channel at, uh, you know, not, like Sounds Proper, the Sounds Proper YouTube channel, that's where I have the video version of each review. and also follow me on Twitter at Sounds Proper. But anyway, we have um, a lot to go through, so yeah, let's start with Deluxe. Album culture, and then we'll get into the review. So yes, uh I, I I can't be the only one who has been noticing. I I know like ninety five percent of people have been noticing that there's been a lot of deluxe albums released in the past. Like in twenty twenty, like there's been an absurd amount of deluxe albums that, and we have not been seeing that um ever really. uh I believe in Lil Uzi Vert when he released Eternal Take. Uh, he decided, you know, hey, I'm going to stack an album on top of my album and call it a deluxe album. So he did that. Uh, Nav, he stacked an album on top of his album with good uh good intentions. He um you know, uh, and that deluxe album. We have uh, Gunna recently, you know, with a deluxe album. We have Moneybagg Yo with a deluxe album. We have uh. Just this week, who, who else uh, released a deluxe album? Oh, Lil Baby, he also released a deluxe album. Uh, to my, my turn, we have, uh, who else? Uh, Pierre Bourne, Life of Pierre. He released a deluxe album. Uh, a Boogie with the Hoodie, uh, Hoodie, Jesus Christ. A Boogie with a Hoodie, he released Artist 2.0, deluxe, uh, in l- last month, that is. Uh, we have Feet of Clay Deluxe, which is what I'm going to be review- reviewing. We have uh, the Boldy James Price of Tea in China Deluxe, which I reviewed on the YouTube ch- uh, channel. That's a YouTube exclusive. We have Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, Pop Smoke uh, Deluxe. I just came out. You just stacked an album on top of an album, right? So obviously there has been a like a fascination, especially within the mainstream lane, releasing deluxe albums just stacking a bunch of tracks or even an entire album on top of their already present album which has not been a thing uh you know ever really you know we've always had deluxe albums you know you can go back you know even like in the 80s we've had deluxe albums but not like this not this many albums have been getting deluxe versions and for the ones that are, are that are getting deluxe versions, they're getting quite a bit of tracks. I mean, Eternal Take, as I said, it's a, just another album. It's Love vs. Love, uh, the World 2. Uh, Nav, he put Brown Boy 2 on top of Good Intentions. You know, just another album. Like, why not release it as another album? You know, uh, we have, I think, you know, as I said, Lil Dirk, Pierre Bourne, A Boogie. And I can guarantee you, if this wasn't a thing, uh, like in 2019, if they release, you know, these respective albums that are being released in 2020, they would not have the deluxe, like the deluxe album uh, coming with it. So why and why is it happening and should it be happening, which is what I want to cover. So I believe the first instance that I at least noticed was Eternal Take. You know, uh, he dropped Eternal Take and the next week he released another project. Say, oh, man you know, we just got Eternal Take, now we're getting this one. Hype, right? It, genera- it generates a lot of hype. You know, this is the album recently released, and you just keep maintaining the hype going around your name, right? Uh, same thing, Nav did it, but I think instead of waiting a week, he just did it in four days, and Nav is significantly worse, but, you know, that's another topic for another time. Um, and not every artist have been stacking an album on top of an album, but to keep talking about album on top of albums. We have Pop Smoke, um, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, which I think is much worse. It's a, it's, a, it's a much worse thing than an already alive rapper stacking an album on top of an album. But as you saw this week, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon Deluxe, which I won't be covering in a review for a few reasons. But there was just, I think it was 17 new tracks or something, something like that, something crazy like that. Now it's a 34 track album it's like what the fuck um (laughs) so yeah um and for people that aren't stacking albums on top of albums they're you know releasing the deluxe like a boogie i believe artist 2.0 was 20 tracks and he expanded it to 30 tracks and what you're seeing is when people stack an album on top of album they do it in relatively short amounts of time to and that's more than likely to Keep buzz, keep talk around their name, you know, you don't want to drop the album, you know, people are talking about you for a week or two, you're relevant for that week or two, and then afterwards, after that week or two, you know, you start to fall off, except except we are fans, we're going to keep streaming, keep listening. <clears throat> but with Deluxe out, with with this uh, stacking an album on top of an album, not only is that like extremely exciting, That like, oh, they just released a project, now they're releasing another project, but it's on top of the project that already came out, which keeps the initial project relevant, but also it keeps more talk around their name and more buzz, like, oh my God, they're releasing so much music, and it's extending that cycle of hype. It's extending that cycle of talk, that ex- uh, cycle of coverage. You know, we saw that... Uzi, I think Nav did it probably the least effective because he didn't really space out the uh, releases of the projects. And also, he fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> and also, you know, I think the most effective example of this was Pop Smoke. You know, uh, they released Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. A few weeks after, they released, they stacked a, a deluxe you know, on top of it or below it, right? So that's just to keep the buzz around the name. That's just to keep streams up for the initial release of the album, but also, you know, get an uh, extended amount my streams. Uh, and with the release of just you know, the standard way of going about a deluxe album, adding a few tracks, expanding on the track list of the album, you know, we saw it with Gunna. You know, we had two examples of the different types of deluxe albums that kept, that are being released in 2020, you know, with Superstars, Aim for the Moon, and Gunna's Wanna. So an example of Gunna's Wanna or Artist 2.0, or I think maybe, I think Pureborn did it in this way too, but I'm not too sure. Um, You know, they just add a few tracks and I think Gunna's case, he added six or eight. Um, and And that's, they're usually released a few months after the initial release. I believe Gunna's Wanna was in May in the initial release of that. And then now it's being released Late July, so that is to you know, the cycle of hype has you know completed with Wana, and then by releasing a deluxe edition, you're reinstating the cycle of hype, you know. So there's pros and cons for doing each, each method of going about a a modern day deluxe review, uh, deluxe album that is, Um, and I guess. On the surface, it's fine. But I, I find it problematic, especially with the modern in, in modern hip hop, in the streaming era of hip hop, because now you're just putting out a bunch of streaming fodder. It It's basically, you know, the idea, the modern idea of going about an album is put out as much songs as you can, you know, make it an hour, make it 20 minutes, you know, have a bunch of these songs, get a bunch of these. And it, it's purely just for streams, you know, purely just for monetary reasons, right? Um, that's why you see a lot of, that's why you see certain, certain artists, especially in the mainstream, putting out longer albums other than more substantive, more qual- quality albums, quantity over quality. And with this, de- now this deluxe uh, album, uh, this deluxe album culture that we are seeing is just quantity over quality magnified. Right. So, in now, I'm going to use Pop Smoke as an example, but I believe there's actually much more problems with Pop Smoke getting a a deluxe than just this. But there's the initial release, I believe, at 18 original tracks. And now you're just adding a fuck ton more. I think 17 more. I don't know. There's 34 at the end. I, I can't, I'm not going to do the math right now, but you're just putting out all these tracks so and all of them are gonna get streamed especially by his fans you know and it's just yeah it's just for the streams it's just for the money and pop smoke is dead so he can't even like make new music he can't even he can't even like really quality control it you can't even make sure what you're putting out is of quality and make sure you know the verses are good the bars are good there's nothing corny because he's dead and gone you can't really do that right? You only have what he has ha- had on his hard drive, and that's it. With uh, you know, so I-, I believe stacking the album on top of an album is even dumber. In my opinion, because like, I get the idea of it, but can't you just wait a few months, and improve the quality of the album, and then drop it? Now Nav Nav's good intentions and Brown Boy Two, they're both ba- bad and probably equally bad. But I believe, and you know, even though he he probably would have recorded Brown Boy 2, sat on it for a few months and then dropped it, but he could have, um, he could have, you know, made uh, good intentions. You know, I guess he already had Brown Boy 2, you know, locked and loaded. He could have waited a few months, improved the quality of each track, and then release it. You know, I think we see in this with Eternal taking the the perfect, um, the perfect love tape too right? Eternal Take was a superior album to The Perfect Love Tape 2. You know, I, I guess some people would disagree with that. I think even Fantano uh, said the second one was better than the first one. But regardless, in my opinion, Eternal Take was the superior album to The Perfect Love Tape 2. And I believe that's because The Perfect Love Tape 2 was more rushed. Uh, you could have released Eternal Take and, you know, it, uh, Uzi is especially is a special example because of the fact that he hasn't released the project since 2017. So he released Eternal Take 2020, early 2020, right? He gets all that buzz. It's going to get more buzz than a normal artist because of the amount of time, the, the gap in the music. And he could have released The Perfect Love Tape 2 in a few months. Within those months, be improving those songs, improving the bars, improving the instrumentation, you know, maybe... Uh, swapping around features maybe getting better feature verses, and then dropping it in a few months and you know still getting a big buzz like oh man he dropped a uh, two projects within three months or whatever right but i also see why they're doing it like this because the second project had direct attachment to the first one that it released right it Eter- uh, the perfect love tape 2 had direct attach attachment to eternal take Therefore, it's you know not only generating its own buzz, but because of the attachment that it has to eternal take, it generates probably even more than it would have by on its own. And a few months afterwards, but I just don't like the fact that we're you know we're already in a qu- quantity versus quality era of hip hop, and I believe there has been um, eras like that before. Uh, so you could look at the bling rap era, but I believe. You know, it's like going in phases, I guess, in the mainstream, you know, you know, we had a phase of quantity over quality and a quality over quality, quantity over quality. Right now we're in a quantity over quality phase era. Right. And hopefully we get out of this soon. But this is just amplifying the problem. This is just turning it up to 10. Right. You know, the problem is at five. Okay, not every artist is doing this. And it's not like 30 fucking tracks. I like how it is now, it's you know tw- usually 20, 21, 22, hour, hour and a half project. Now they're just thirty-five fucking, uh, thirty-five song projects, almost two hours. Fuck it, just for streaming, streaming fodder. It's a bunch of streaming fodder, and I don't like the, I don't like what is happening right now. I believe, you know, there are valid reasons for having a deluxe, a deluxe album release. If you look at Boldy James, the price of Tea in China, who is a more underground rapper, and I believe that you know he doesn't follow the trends of the mainstream. The underground generally doesn't really follow the trends of the mainstream all that much. So Boldy James, him releasing a deluxe album, was to expand on the initial album. It was for what a deluxe album should be, to expand on what that initial album was. You know, it was 12 tracks expanded to 16 tracks. And then I reviewed it, and I believe it was for it was worth it was a worthwhile expansion, you know. Deluxe albums should be a worthwhile expansion. I, I believe this is another thing not all these expansions are worthwhile, not you know, these expansions aren't needed. But there are good ways and bad ways to go about making or crafting or curating a deluxe album. But what we are seeing right now is overboard, it's abnormal, and it's not good. I hope that not only are we gonna cut back on the amount of deluxe albums or uh, unnecessary deluxe albums, we also cut back on the the era of quantity over quality. And honestly, I maybe it's because I'm pessimistic, but I think it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Honestly, um, you know, once again, you know, that's maybe a grim way of looking at it, but I believe that I believe that we are at peak trap, right? We're at peak trap. And I don't think that's was a good thing to be honest, because trap trap is so overdone right now, but that's another topic for another podcast. But because we're at peak trap, we're going to get the peak crap. And I think, you know, we're, we're almost at the, we're almost at the pinnacle. And I think we're going to go over it soon, sooner than later, but it's definitely, ha- but we have to go over that pinnacle. And it's going to get better than worse. This is a newer trend. It started in, you know, it relatively started in 2020. You know, this over, uh, this big deluxe culture, right? So I believe it's going to happen for the rest of 2020, maybe 2021, and then we're going to, and then the culture will change or alter in 2020, in the late 2021, 2022. But that's going to be, honestly, I'm scared for the next year of hip hop because of this like this culture that mainstream artists have created with all these deluxe albums, right? I can just see it right now. If Scorpion, if Drake Scorpion, which is already an overblown project, was released in 2020, I believe that was 25 tracks or something like that, maybe less, maybe more. I can already see if that was a 2020 release, Scorpion Deluxe, 45 tracks. I can see that. like, happening in 2020, like, I could definitely see an already overblown, and, you know, there are already overblown albums that are getting deluxes, I mean, look at Artist 2.0, excuse me, look at Artist 2.0, but, like, an extremely overblown, extremely overbloated album getting an overbloated deluxe release, right, you know, so, yeah, Uh, that's just my opinion on deluxe culture, Uh, I don't think it's good, um, I believe we need to change. I stated why I think it's happening. And it's it's an effective way, admittedly. It's an effective way uh, that, you know, they, they, it wouldn't be happening if it wasn't, right? But I believe that it's just very predatory on the listener, just putting out a bunch of crap and, you know, maybe a few songs hit and, you know, that's what's been happening, but even to a greater extent. Now in the new culture, we've been, that, that that's been going on for a few months now anyway that's that and let's get into the feet of clay review all right so um feet of clay earl sweatshirt deluxe on july 24th 2020 earl sweatshirt releases ep but i will be re- uh, addressing it as an album because it's long enough to be an album it's nine tracks so yes um they be Kogol- Tebe Kogoslit, I think that's, I don't really know how to pronounce his name. Tebe Kogoslit is a 26 year old rapper born in Chicago and he was raised in California. He went under the name Sly Tendencies, but he changed it to Earl Sweatshirt after joining the group uh, Odd Future. He released his first mixtape, Earl, in 2010 at the age of only 16. He was 16 when he released Earl, which received uh, critical acclaim. But shortly after the release of Earl, he was sent away to a, uh, a boarding school in Samoa for about a year and a half. Uh, he, his debut album, Doris, was released in 2013, three years after the release of uh, the Earl mixtape. His his full album, his latest full-length album is called Some Rap Songs. That was released in 2018, and the style that he adopted on some rap songs really bled over into the um, the EP that came out the, the following year. The deluxe edition to this EP is nine tracks in 20 minutes. That album is uh, Feet of Clay Deluxe and I'll be reviewing Feet of, Clay, Feet of Clay Deluxe to see if it sounds proper. So Earl Swetcher is an artist who I've been aware of for quite a bit now, quite a bit of time now, and it's been apparent that he's switched up his style um you know, quite a bit through, throughout his career from some rap songs, the feet of clay. That's probably the most consistent that his sound has been from album to album. You know, Earl Earl was a bit more joyful. Uh I don't like shit. I don't go outside it was a bit more depressive, and then some rap songs like really fucking grim, ab- abstract, and depressive. Um, but yeah, if it, it feels as if Feet of Clay. Um, you know, it was just recorded within the some rap song sessions and it's just a collect collection of the leftovers that was recorded in some rap songs, you know, these uh, songs, they fluctuate in quality quite a bit and they don't exactly piece together as well as they do on some rap songs, uh, the beats, they lack structure. And in the case of Earl's rapping that it's also true, you know, the beats lack structure Earl's, uh, rapping, is very, is very uh, free form and structureless. And the features they have varying importance to each song in terms of impact and quality of impact in quality and duration. So let's go to the list go take a deeper dive into feed of clay deluxe and we'll come to a conclusion afterwards. So the first track is called 74. The instrumentation here is cavernous with an off off-kil- with off-kilter percussion and almost random string licks. The beat feels more like an aimless collage of sounds rather than a well put together abstract piece. Earl delivers one verse on the track and it aims it, it aims a lot it, it, he takes aim at a lot of his adversaries and he also elevates what he has done. Earl continues with a dejected delivery and it is appropriate for the dark beat. It's not a bad song to start the album off but it definitely could have been stronger. It's nowhere near Shattered Dreams or any of uh, Earl's really in intro tracks that he has put out uh, in the past. The next song is the infamous track, East. East is a meme at this point. Like, uh, you're just scrolling through Twitter. It's like, oh, yeah, check out this song. This It's dope. And you just hear uh, Ear Rape East just blasting with the annoying-ass beat and shit. But, yeah, let's talk about East. So this beat... It has, the beat on East has a prominent and very overbearing, overwhelming accordion uh, that it, you know that, that is used for the melody. And it has some quaint drums in the background that are really uh, useless because the accordion is so damn loud and annoying. Earl is shrouded in this instrumentation and he tries to deliver a verse reflecting on the cause of his grievances, which is the, lo- the losses that he has faced in his life. However, Earl on the track, he sounds like more like a, a rambling madman. He sounds like he's rambling. sounds like he's talking or explaining something more than he sounds like he's rapping. Uh, so I, I, I think I delivered, I, I assembled a, a good metaphor for this song. So the song, it sounds like you're walking down the streets of Italy and you look to your left and you see an, an Ita- Italian man who is clearly high on crack. He's clearly high on crack and he's just going, playing his fucking accordion like a madman. And then you look to your right and it's a guy in an American, you know, he's a, he's a visitor to the country and he's clearly like high on some downer drugs and he's just reciting some poetry being depressed as fuck. And it just comes together and this is fucking East. It's, it's a mess. It's a mess. East is a mess of a track. Anyway. Uh, the next track is called M-T-O-M-B. This song shrouds the listener in cryptic wordplay in, his dejected, in Earl's dejected tone. Uh, Earl's delivery, it feels slightly out of place on the beat, which has prominent soul vocals and some calm percussion. You know, it, it's very soul soaped and his just dejectedness, really. It, it feels like it, sh- it, it should be on a different track. The next one after M-T-O-M-B is called O-D. This beat is interesting with a wheezy melody and deep strings, making some, making for some interesting contrast to low key per, uh, percussion. Earl's more Earl more than not eases over the beat. He flows really well. Um, the lyrics are depressive, and he refers to his gold chain as a gold noose around his neck. And he he, he references you know damaged wings and his freedom, uh, his mode of freedom in life is damaged. The, uh, the next cut is called El Toro Combo Meal. The beat, like, I think El Toro Combo Meal is pretty good. Uh, the beat sounds like, sounds like a lot of the beat off Eclipse on some rap songs uh, with the bright chimes, the jazzy feel, and the strings and drums. Mavi, he has an excellent verse here as he talks about the things that cause him grief and how he deals with the, with the things that cause him grief, good or bad. His rhymes are concise and his delivery is quite straightforward. To contrast with Mavi's um, verse, though, Earl delivers his uh, Earl delivers the shorter verse out of the two with a very warbly vocal filter, as he delivers a less potent verse about the same thing. The next song is called Tisk Tisk Slash Cookies. The Tisk Tisk side side of the song sounds like nowhere to go from you know some rap songs. The beat is glitchy, uh, and it has a very nice melody. The verse on Cookies, however, is a bit over the... Over, it's just all over the place, as he criticizes his competition on a few bars, but he also has some bars that's very su- suicidal. The Cookies beat is a bit more moody and brooding uh, in compared to Tiss Tiss. However, it stays consistent with the glitchiness and the overall abstract nature. The original closer for this... Uh, uh, ep or album is called 4n uh makami he deals he deals with the hook on the song but he is just so lazily de- de- delivered it, it sounds as if there's no effort put into uh, how he was saying and what he was saying and it just wastes the first minute and a half of the song the verse uh from makami is a bit better with some decent wordplay and rhymes the verse from hurl is The verse from Earl is again shrouded, but it works well with uh, how the beat is. And the beat, it sounds like a skipping CD with some decent synths and a bass guitar making for the rhythm. So we're going into deluxe territory now with the song Ghost. Ghost, um, I I like Ghost. The beat has some lush strings with some energetic soul vocals and some decent supporting drums. Earl, he handles hook duty and he does a good job with his cryptic lines talking about his time in Samoa, you know, the boarding school in Samoa, and he, he talks about the demons that he had to combat afterwards. Navy Blue is the feature on the track, and he also gives a good outing as his ver- on his verse as he talks about his complicated relationship with his father, and he also talks about his faith and he kind of mixes the two, you know, each pertains to the other. The final song on the project is called "Whole World." Maxo is a feature on the track, and Maxo's verse—you know—on Maxo's verse, he talks about conce- uh, how he conceals his negative feelings and how and how he puts up a persona, but sometimes the persona slips, and he really lets his true self uh, out. Earl's verse here it has a heavy focus on death, and he talks about people that he- that has died in his life, like his dad and his grandma. He talks about the effects of this and he questions how much more of this can he bear. The beat is calm and minimal and it places a heavy focus on the somber strings. So yes, that was Feet of Clay Deluxe by Earl Sweatshirt. This album, it is this album, it is definitely a mixed bag. With Earl Earl makes it hard to appreciate what he has to say, you know, with the way he's rapping is so loose and just overly dejected lacking any structure on some rap songs it was depressing it was loose it was aloof but and it was very perforated you know in the way he's rapping but it was well crafted and earl's rapping felt as if it added to the effect of the album on feet of clay however the beats feel muddy and they don't have much flavor in comparison to some rap songs and earl's rapping is sloppy overly perforated you know he overcompensated for that to the point where the connections are too weak to hold up the weight of a song, for someone who is getting it, who's just getting into Earl's music, they heard about him. Then, oh, who's this guy? This is the last project you probably want to listen to because it sounds like what some rap songs sounds like to people who don't get it. You know, I would recommend if you don't want to listen to the Earl mixtape, that's fine. You know, go in chronological or order. Doris, I don't like Shadow I don't go outside. Some rap songs, and then this or uh, I don't like shout on quotes. side then Doris, then some rap songs, and this because this is probably this is definitely the weakest one. And you're only really gonna enjoy anything off this if you have enjoyed Earl's past stuff. And what you are gonna enjoy, it's not much, you know, compared to his past past stuff. This is definitely his worst project. But anyway, let's wrap it up. The best track here is called "Is Ghost." It's one of the um, it's one of the deluxe songs. It's the first of the two, and I like that one quite a bit. But the worst track here is East. It's fucking annoying. I don't want to hear that song again. And the score I'm giving, uh, Feet of Clay, is a 4 out of 10. So, yes, uh, we've covered uh, uh, Sweatshirt, Feet of Clay, Deluxe, and we've also covered um, deluxe, deluxe Album Review. I mean, Deluxe Album Culture. So, yeah, thank you for watching. If you enjoyed this video, or no, not the video. If you enjoyed the podcast, you know you can tune into my past single Sundays. You can tune into my past reviews. You can check out the YouTube channel Sounds Proper, where I have the video version of each of these reviews, uh, the, the single Sunday, and also these hip hop discussions are podcast exclusives. So there's a you know there's a there, there's a reason for why these podcasts exist. Also, uh, you check out my Twitter at Sounds Proper. And at the end, I guess this is my new way of closing. Uh, this is my way of closing a podcast by saying I don't know how to close a podcast. You know, I just click stop recording like this.